I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... And I'm Handsome Drew. Technically, the rules say dogs can't play. Wait, no, no. There's nothing in the rule button that says dogs can't play. Yeah, that's what I just said. And this is not... And this is not... And this is not... This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 93 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. This is a now streaming episode with Handsome Drew and Kyle Cox, and we're coming at you live, in color, I guess, maybe, I don't know, over the radio or however you listen to podcasts. None of it's on the radio. Here's our voices, and you're going to listen to us talk. Nothing you just said is true. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't have to be true. I just have to say it with confidence. I learned that from presidents. (laughs) Anyway, this is a now streaming episode where we tell you what we've been watching and what you should be watching. We're going to tell you if it was good, if it was bad, and where you might be able to find it. And to start us off, Kyle, I know this was a recommendation from you, and I don't remember if you had mentioned it on air previously or not, but I watched Bo Burnham's Inside Outtakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fantastic. It's really good. If you've listened to this show before, you know that we're big fans of Bo Burnham here, especially his special Inside, which we believe should have won the Oscar for Best Picture of the Year, according to the podcast you deserve. So for him to come out on the anniversary of it a year later and release the quote-unquote outtakes, like it's not – they're not goofs, you know, for the most part. It's, right. it's him saying these are things that either didn't make the show – uh, you know, other ideas he was working with, other jokes he was working with, other, you know, deadpan delivery of, of philosophical ideas. And also, it was a little bit of a behind the scenes. It was a little bit of the making of Inside, which was really, really cool. I was, my overall takeaway was that it was fascinating and amazing. Uh, Kyle, what, what were your initial thoughts? The biggest takeaway for me was, number one, that he's a genius. Uh Um, But number two, when I was watching Inside, I assumed that he was lip-syncing everything, um, which didn't bother me. I thought that was the only way possible that he could have pulled that off, was if he was lip-syncing to a track he had already recorded and laid down. Um, And then the outtakes proved to me that that is not true. Uh, Because you see him do a bunch of the songs that made the final cut, but he's tweaking the vocals or he's 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 it's mainly the vocals he's singing live for a lot of it actually which i didn't realize um when i was watching inside so that makes me respect inside so much more and him as a performer so much more knowing that a lot of that really was his his live vocal performance um i don't think he he definitely wasn't playing the instruments live yeah no that was besides the last song but i think he was i think he was continuing to play them live as well just for himself but the track itself yeah. that he put on air was recorded because you could hear on the outtakes you could hear him hitting the piano yeah. and you could hear the plastic hitting his fingers uh but but like man that dude is so talented and then seeing how he intercut welcome to the internet and now you see that of the one camera's yeah. view as he does the one line and then he puts his head down and he waits for the next line to go through then he picks it back up because he knows he's cutting yeah. there that dude is so smart. That had to take so much time and effort and planning, incredible amounts of planning. 
Um, that made me enjoy Inside so much more. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned that it made you respect him as a vocalist and a, as a performer. It made me respect him as an editor and as a director. Oh, right? for sure, yeah. That he was planning all of this, uh, and he's then also having to go out and perform it and act it, but also have the mindset of a producer and a director in the back of his head the whole time. He's having to wear right. nine hats at any one moment, and it's just it's so impressive. Um, I I, yeah. I will say the visual of watching him, I loved when he did the like tiles of all the different takes of him doing a song, and then right. cutting them out as he would mess up, and you just see the one yeah. last standing tile uh, of like, oh hey, I tried doing Welcome to the Internet forty times, and this is the only one that made it. It was really cool watching the yeah. moment of like when he messed up and watching him react in that. It was kind of it, it was humanizing and it was also really cool to see as an audience member. Yeah, no, and, that, and he's also got some bangers on there too. Yeah. Uh, there's some really good songs that he left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, like I'm gonna need the uh, Jeff Bezos '50s song. Like I'm gonna need yeah. that in my life all the time. And also, I loved that version of All Eyes on Me way more. Yeah, yeah it was interesting. He had a couple different uh, filters on his voice. He did some harmonizing as well. Um, yeah, that was cool. I, I'm with you. I kind of like that better than what... Um, so from a musical standpoint, it was definitely better. But I think he went with the other version to kind of give you this idea of, I'm a broken yeah. man. I have nothing really left this is it. This is all I have is this last song um, as kind of his final straw. And I also think this proves my point that it was all a show and it was all a facade and it was all pre-planned and premeditated that he would show a character devolving from someone who's stuck inside his house to someone who's not doing well. Um, Well, I also think that I, I think the story probably evolved while he was in quarantine because I honestly don't think that he thought it was going to take that long to complete. And you see a little bit of that in the outtakes. Um, And I I call it evolving. The story does evolve as he's going along. And I think while it evolves, it requires the devolving of him as a person. And I think he noticed that story arc and then ran with it and took it to its extreme natural end. Um, but it was cool to see because I, I think he was genuine, at least in the outtakes, when he talks about, like, I've written the ending to this special, right. like, nine times. And then wasn't pleased with it, and then just did another one. And I think that that probably happened. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, that was really cool. I'm really glad he released that. Uh, this movie will never die. No. This movie will be around forever, uh, and I'm so happy about it. Uh, the line, I think, that made me laugh out loud the hardest was uh, during the Five Years song, where it's like him and you know his girlfriend as they go back and forth about, like, we've been together for five years. And he talks about how everyone's a feminist until there's a spider in the room. And I just <laughs> died laughing. I... I He's very funny at so many things, but the the little off-brand comical, like, 
situational humor that he can shine a spotlight on in a like a single moment in a relationship that defines it. I think he's a genius at that, and it's really really funny. Yeah. No, that was great. I really enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed Inside by Bo Burnham or any of Bo Burnham stuff, you'll really like the Inside Outtakes. I had Um, one more. I'm sorry. Uh, When he talks, I think it's during a one of those like companies dealing with backlash. It's like a black and white type of thing. Oh yeah. He says the Mm -hmm. quote. What do you stand for? He goes, "We am and has and shall continue to do better." And I. Oh, oh, no, that's what it was. It was when he, as Bo Burnham, was interviewing 12 different Bo Burnhams who were all part of the Bo Burnham special. Yeah. And got asked the question about why is there not more diversity in your show? And it was like, yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because if you didn't, I was going to bring it up. And <laughs> says, we am and has and shall do better. And I was like, I'm dead. I Like, you said nothing. And everybody just silently yeah. nodded, like, mm, yeah, so deep. So, and I was like, this is the spotlight on like he, the current culture that I was just dying laughing. If anyone has ever done meta comedy, meta humor better than him, I don't know I who it is. It I would, if there's someone out there, please write into us at ntpodpodcast.com or on Twitter at ntpodpodcast because I would love to watch someone do meta humor yeah. as well as Bo Burnham does. Yeah, he's so because I'm here. He's for so it. casually talented. It's frustrating. So, in addition to inside the other things, I, I actually did a double feature one night with with my wife Emily, uh, which was fantastic. I convinced her. I was like, "Hey, we just watched this one movie. Wouldn't it be great if we watched another movie?" And what right, we did yeah. was we watched two entirely different movies, and both good. Okay. But watching them back to back, people are going to be like the heck is wrong with you hit me the first one was yeah. smoking aces and okay classic uh, like i love smoking aces i don't know if you guys i need to watch that one again yes that's a good holds one. up so good i don't know where to stream it this is one of those things where i have it on dvd so you right. know it's up to you guys at this point if you don't have it that's your own fault uh but i love smoking aces it's ryan reynolds you know post i think it's post blade trinity uh, pre yeah. Green Lantern, so it's like we're right in the sweet Correct. spot where he he's not Van Wilder, but he's also not Deadpool yet. So like we're right, he's he's still finding that out. But there, this is an all star cast where the tenth build person is common, and it's like yes, <laughs> of John Wick two fame, but uh, Paul Giamatti no. Uh, so Ribisi. we've got Ray Liotta. Uh, who is yep. uh, Ryan Reynolds' partner? We've got uh, Chris Pine is in it. Ben Affleck's in it. We've got Andy Garcia is in it. Uh, we've got one of the guys from Lost. Actually, sorry, two of the guys from Lost are in it. Uh, Lost was really big when this movie came out. By the way, just like want to yeah. layer that in there a little bit. Um, there are oh. Uh, uh, Jason Bateman is in it. He has like a bit part in this movie. Uh, they're, they're, wow, I yeah, forgot. Oh, yeah. uh, Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Jeremy yeah. Piven does a great job as Buddy Aces. Uh, and not trying to spoil anything of this movie for you, it's like a mixture between Ocean's Eleven with like twists and turns, like going on about uh, 
you know, Las Vegas and like the mob kind of a thing. And also kind of like, I don't know, the Godfather. Um, I thought you were going to go with John Wick. Okay. But then, yeah, also kind of like John Wick to a degree. There's just people shooting people up everywhere, and nobody really knows why. Uh, but it also kind of feels like Scott Pilgrim to a degree because it's cutting so quickly between things, yeah. and you're just watching people die in almost hilarious fashions that you don't even feel it. You're just like laughing at it almost, and then you take a step back and you go... Oh, I'm sorry. Chris Pine is a neo-Nazi just murdered like 20 people. But I thought it was Oh, funny. that's right. I got to rewatch this movie, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said this. I'm going to rewatch this. Uh, also, while you rewatch it, go ahead and listen to Andy Garcia's accent and just tell me where you think he's from in the world. Because he does every dialect. It's like, okay. who are you? I don't know. You're just an international man of mystery right now. Uh, but yeah, Smoke and Aces, fantastic movie. It's good every time I see it. It's never not good. The other one uh, I watched was High Fidelity. Uh, 2000 movie I don't know with John Cusack. And the idea is that John Cusack runs a record store and called High Fidelity. And okay. he keeps cutting to the camera like every... I don't know, a couple of minutes. Like breaking the fourth yeah, wall. absolutely. And he talks directly to you, which is a really cool idea. And he keeps making... It, it, it's a John Cusack movie between 1985 and 2005, so it's a rom-com. So um, then on either side of that, he did some other stuff, like a couple scary movies and a couple action movies or whatever. But in this, this is the sweet spot of John Cusack rom-coms. And <laughs> he has five really bad breakups in his life and he blames everything on them and you're seeing him wrestle with that as he has like another relationship kind of forming in his life and trying to figure out like what's going on and yeah it's it's pretty great it's pretty funny jack black is in it uh he's one of his record store employees but one of the things they do consistently throughout the movie is they rank top fives and for him, it all centers around his top five worst breakups. And that's and he walks you through those, and it, you see him develop as a character because of it. And you also see that he's an untrustworthy narrator because of it. But you haven't seen the movie at all, right? I've never heard of it. Okay, well, uh, it's one that I think should be on your list. It's not the end-all, be-all of movies. So, you know, don't drop what you're doing to you and make it happen. But uh, okay. it is a good one, and especially, it's good for all ages and for all relationships. Doesn't cool. It, it's a unoffensive movie, I should say. It's an easy one to put on on a Friday night. Where it's like I don't know what to do uh, when you're not sure if you want an action or you're not sure you want like a sappy whatever. Or you're not sure you want a scary movie. It's like high fidelity will displease nobody. But also probably okay. not knock the socks off anybody either. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah. Uh, one that you should definitely not put on your list is on Netflix. It's called Gunpowder Milkshake. Have you heard of this? Uh, I have seen the preview for it, but I haven't actually watched it. I, I say you shouldn't put it on your list. I don't know. You know how like they tried to like remake Ghostbusters? Yeah. Um, 
but they did it with like women this time and you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so gunpowder milkshake is like if producers sat in, in a room in Hollywood and were like, what if we remade John Wick, but with women, we gave it the Ghostbusters treatment. And that's what this is. And it's starring Karen Gillian and Alina Hadley and the chick from Haunting of Hill House. Don't know her name. And the lead actress from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. She's also in Shang-Chi. I don't know her name either, and I could not pronounce it if I tried. Um, and Paul Giamatti is the bad guy. But it is... It's it's the same thing. It's Hitman, and there's a hotel. It's actually a library that they can go to to get books, or to get guns out of books. And they can get like treatment there and stuff. And then there's... People get crossways yeah. and they try to blow. It's it's John Wick, but with women, with Karen Gillian. Yeah. Um, Do you ever see a hotel? And Artemis? it's okay. Yes, that one is good actually. Yeah, but that also was the same thing when it came out. I was like, oh, so you saw John Very Wick? Similar. And you were like, oh, what if I like tried to do the same thing, but then put Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, in? Jodie Foster. She's great in that movie, yeah. though. It's like John Wick, but from the point of view of the people who worked at the hotel. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when's the last time you saw the Disney classic Aladdin? Are you talking about live action or animated? The classic animated movie. All right. Um, I don't know. Probably like five or six years. So I introduced this to my two-year-old for the first time this week. Um, and she was mesmerized. Weren't we Which all? was awesome for me. Yeah. Because I got an hour and a half where I could just kind of chill. Um... A couple things that I didn't realize as a youngster watching this movie. Number one, it's a really great yep. movie. And it's maybe Robin Williams' best performance. Wow. Uh, I feel pretty good. He is great in Have that movie. Have you seen 48 Hour also, Photo? I mean, like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I think that's the one I haven't <laughs> seen. Um, but also the magic carpet. Yeah. First it off. It has an attitude. The physics of that. It does. The physics of that make no sense. It's like Captain America's shield. Like... I don't. I don't think this thing follows the laws of physics. And then number two, it's a rug, and I think I always knew that. But like, as an adult, him calling it a carpet, I'm like, that's obviously a rug, and it's a small rug at that. Like, I'm sure there's a word for small rugs, but it's definitely not a carpet. But but magic rug doesn't. I mean, I feel sound like that is quite I feel as like good. We're dealing over semantics at this point, like a carpet in other parts of the world is just a big rug i don't know. like it's not stapled in or anything like it's just like there's just rugs everywhere you know is that yeah. a thing i'm gonna no, trust it really is i'm not gonna dig too deep into that i'm gonna let you off the hook on that i'm one. gonna let you off the hook what are you talking about <laughs> and then my final two points on aladdin number one jasmine is the goat of disney princesses hundred percent. Number two, uh, when you when you really boil it down and you think about it, Aladdin really is a beautiful story of a girl who has little to no interest in a boy until he shows up with the appearance of a lot of money and a sick ride, and that is what wins her over. Uh, we've seen it so many times play and out in the real world. And then still gets mad at him for being like, "Why'd you pretend to be this?" And it's like, "Well." Because uh, you wouldn't look at me. Otherwise. It did get you interested, didn't but also, it? Yeah. Like, why can't your dad, who makes all the rules, change that arbitrary one that he made up? Which he ends up doing at oh, the end. But like, it weird. took us fighting a genie. Yeah. Um, 
And then, have you heard of uh, David Letterman, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction? Uh, is that like a web series or like a Netflix show he did, right? It's a Netflix show he's doing where he's basically just getting to oh, interview he's still famous doing people, it. but he doesn't have to do it. Yes, he's still oh, doing okay. it. Oh, uh, okay. He recently interviewed Ryan Reynolds, and I watched the episode with Ryan Reynolds was in it. Uh, he talks about Buried, Mississippi Grind, how they made Deadpool... Um, he opens up about Adam Project. This is before Adam Project came out, I guess, when they interviewed him. Uh, and he talked about how his relationship with his own dad uh, bled into the Adam Project um, and into the making of it. Uh, it's actually really fascinating. Really, just if you're a Ryan Reynolds fan, which I know you are, uh, it was really, really cool to kind of see Ryan Reynolds unplugged a little yeah. bit and not as... Uh, he, he's not as snarky and smirky as he usually is, but he still has it in there. And you get to kind of see him open up about his childhood and how it, it's a, it's a really good episode. But well, I couldn't help but thinking um, that for David Letterman, who is uh, someone who's built his entire career on interviewing people, he was super awkward throughout the really? entire interview, and he missed a lot of quips that Ryan Reynolds said, which I think might just be him being like 108 years old now. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, man, how the mighty have fallen. I'm not a big David Letterman fan, but I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan. It was enough to make me watch, and I had a good yeah. time. Yeah, I, I had seen and that, then, do you that have... uh, series before, but I had never actually clicked on it. I just was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, and then kept scrolling. Right. But I might watch it now for the Ryan Reynolds episode. And I don't think you've watched season three of The Boys yet. Which is dropping episodes every Friday, I believe, on Amazon Prime. No, I, I'm waiting for a uh, couple to come out. You know, in a row, and then I'm gonna go binge it. As of this recording, there are three, and I will just tell you this: the first 15 minutes of episode one of season three might be perfect television, uh, and I'd really like to unpack that with you, and maybe the first three or four episodes with you, uh, maybe on a later podcast. Maybe we break down. I would love that the first two or three episodes uh, at a later date. I don't know. We gotta figure out something while we uh, wait for more Kenobi. Uh, videos to drop so maybe you too listener will enjoy us talking about the boys on amazon prime in future episodes uh but in the meantime if there's anything we missed anything we should be watching anything we got wrong feel free to reach out to us at ntpodpodcast at gmail.com or on twitter at ntpodpodcast thank you for listening this is not the podcast you deserve